to Old Treasures Made New, your devotional podcast on the go or at home, where we read the scriptures and reflect on them with those from the past. Today we'll be reading Matthew 5, verses 13 to 20, and then through J.C. Ryle's expository thoughts on Matthew. Please take a moment to pause and ask the Holy Spirit to bring understanding and to apply what we hear. Matthew, chapter 5, verses 13 to 20. You are the salt of the earth. But if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. For truly I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not an iota, not a dot, will pass from the law until all is accomplished. Therefore, Whoever relaxes one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does them and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. This is the word of the Lord. In these verses, the Lord Jesus treats two subjects. One is the character which true Christians must support and maintain in the world. The other is the relation between his doctrines and those of the Old Testament. It is of great importance to have clear views on both these subjects. True Christians are to be in the world like salt. Now, salt has a peculiar taste of its own, utterly unlike anything else. When mingled with other substances, it preserves them from corruption. It imparts a portion of its taste to everything it is mixed with. It is useful so long as it preserves its savor, but no longer. Are we true Christians? Then behold here our place and its duties. True Christians are to be in the world like light. Now it is the property of light to be utterly distinct from darkness. The least spark in a dark room can be seen at once. Of all things created, light is the most useful. It fertilizes. It guides. It cheers. It was the first thing called into being. Without it, the world would be a gloomy blank. Are we true Christians? Then behold again our position and its responsibilities. Surely, if words mean anything, we are meant to learn from these two figures that there must be something marked, distinct, and peculiar about our character If we are true Christians, it will never do to idle through life, thinking and living like others, if we mean to be owned by Christ as his people. Have we grace? Then it must be seen. Have we the Spirit? Then there must be fruit. Have we any saving religion? Then there must be a difference of habits, tastes, and a turn of mind between us and those who think only of the world. It is perfectly clear 
that true Christianity is something more than being baptized and going to church. Salt and light evidently imply peculiarity both of heart and life, of faith and practice. We must dare to be singular and unlike the world if we mean to be saved. The relation between our Lord's teaching and that of the Old Testament is cleared up by our Lord in one striking sentence. He says, Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. These are remarkable words. They were deeply important when spoken, as satisfying a natural anxiety of the Jews on the point. They will be deeply important as long as the world stands, as a testimony that the religion of the Old and New Testament is one harmonious whole. The Lord Jesus came to fulfill the predictions of the prophets, who had long foretold that a Savior would one day appear. He came to fulfill the ceremonial law by becoming the great sacrifice for sin to which all the Mosaic offerings had ever pointed. He came to fulfill the moral law by yielding to it a perfect obedience which we could never have yielded, and by paying the penalty for our breach of it with his atoning blood, which we could never have paid. In all these ways, he exalted the law of God and made its importance more evident than it had ever been before. In a word, he magnified the law and made it honorable. Isaiah 42, verse 21. There are deep lessons of wisdom to be learned from these words of our Lord. Let us consider them well and lay them up in our hearts. Let us beware of despising the Old Testament under any pretense whatsoever. Let us never listen to those who bid us to throw it aside as an obsolete, antiquated, useless book. The religion of the Old Testament is the embryo of Christianity. The Old Testament is the gospel in the bud. The New Testament is the gospel in full flower. The Old Testament is the gospel in blade. The New Testament is the gospel in full ear. The saints of the Old Testament saw many things through a dark glass, but they all looked by faith to the same Savior and were led by the same Spirit as ourselves. These are no light matters. Much infidelity, that is, unbelief, begins with ignorant contempt of the Old Testament. Let us, for another thing, beware of despising the law of the Ten Commandments. Let us not suppose for a moment that it is set aside by the gospel or that Christians have nothing to do with it. The coming of Christ did not alter the position of the Ten Commandments one hair's breadth. If anything, it exalted and raised their authority. Romans 3.31 The law of the Ten Commandments is God's eternal measure of right and wrong. By it is the knowledge of sin. By it, the Spirit shows men their need for Christ and drives them to him. To it, Christ refers his people as their rule and guide for holy living. In its right place, it is just as important as the glorious gospel. It cannot save us. We cannot be justified by it. But never, never let us despise it. It is a symptom of an ignorant and unhealthy state of religion when the law is lightly esteemed. The true Christian delights in God's law. Romans 7.22 In the last place, 
Let us beware of supposing that the gospel has lowered the standard of personal holiness and that the Christian is not intended to be as strict and particular about his daily life as the Jew. This is an immense mistake, but it is one that unhappily is very common. So far from this being the case, the sanctification of the New Testament saint ought to exceed that of him who had nothing but the Old Testament for his guide. The more light we have, the more we ought to love God. The more clearly we see our own complete and full forgiveness in Christ, the more heartily ought we to work for his glory. We know what it costs to redeem us far better than the Old Testament saints did. We have read what happened in Gethsemane and on Calvary, and they only saw it dimly and indistinctly as a thing yet to come. May we never forget our obligations. The Christian who is content with a low standard of personal holiness has got much to learn. That is the end of Ryle's expository thoughts on these verses. Let us carefully consider what we have heard today, and may the Lord be pleased to bring the growth for His glory.